Hello and welcome to the False Neutral. I am flying solo again this week as life, the universe, and everything conspires to get uh, Garrett and I together. Uh, last week we couldn't sync our schedules. This week it's looking to be about the same thing. So I figured I better get a show done so you guys don't go two weeks without a show. Obviously we want to be in every week with something, but you know, there's this thing called life. Um, wait a minute, isn't that a Prince song? Yeah, anyways. Um, so we got a few things to talk about, and I've got a list of, I think I have seven or eight items here I want to talk about. We're just kind of going to do this uh, rapid fire, because we had some feedback that me running solo or anyone running solo, it's not your favorite format. And we get that, because part of this is you want to... You want this to feel like you're sitting around a table in a conversation, right? And with someone just talking to you, it doesn't come across that way. Totally understand. Totally get that. So, uh, going forward, I am out to a number of people about doing interviews. I have a list of four or five people that I'm trying to get uh, lined up for the show uh, to do interviews with. Some people you may be aware of, some people you may not, which is always cool. Because if we can introduce you to people you don't know and their works... Always a good thing. Uh, one I did get uh, with today, actually, was the owner of Ducati Detroit. So Ducati Detroit is a standalone Ducati store that is literally three quarters of a mile straight up the street from me. It's uh, right on the corner of Woodward and Adams in Birmingham, Michigan. So I was trying to get to them, and I finally had a chance to talk with the owner actually earlier today as I record this, and hopefully going to get with him later in the week to sit down with him. We'll do 15, 20 minutes. We'll talk about, you know, Ducati Detroit as a store, what they're doing, uh, how they're how they're doing as a business, how they attract customers as a standalone and events and all kinds of good stuff. I had a, I had a good uh, chance to when I uh, stopped in at the store to talk to him for, you know, five, six minutes, he was busy and he had some other stuff going on. So, and obviously you don't just stop and say, Hey, you want to do an interview and you sit down and do an interview. Now that stuff's got to be set up. So hopefully later this week, that'll be done. And we'll have that in the can for you guys. I think it'll be a pretty good, uh, pretty good interview. Cause, uh, had just been talking with the gentleman for a couple minutes. I think that'll come off. Well, younger guy, I mean, he's, I want to say he's under 40, under 45, um, and a beautiful store. Truly, a beautiful, you walk in, it does, as you see it from the road, you're like, okay, um, doesn't look like much because it's a long, thin store, but uh, you go in and it's it's really nicely done. They've got a ton of bikes there, both new and used, and we'll talk to them about their test ride program and everything else. So don't want to get too far into that, but... Hopefully, fingers crossed, next week's show, uh, we'll be talking with Ducati Detroit, and we'll see. Speaking of Ducati, they stay in the news with another rumored uh, group to buy them, and that is the Benetton family. Now, the Benetton family is, you know, uh, the Benetton colors, colors of Benetton. Sorry, that was the, I'm, I'm going back to the 80s and the 90s with that one, but obviously the Italian fashion company and long-time Formula One people and things like that. Uh, they are rumored, strongly rumored, to be buying Ducati, or at least in the mix. And also, uh, uh, 
there's an Indian company, and I just totally dorked on it because I didn't write it down, and I saw it right as I was hitting uh, about ready to hit record on it. But the one of the Indian companies, um, uh, not Mahindra, Bahaja, or somebody like that, is also thinks they've they're in with a shot. So we'll see. Um, again, Ducati being for sale at this point, it's going to be a thing. Although I did read a report last week that said. It's 50-50, and that's because Ducati being part of Volkswagen means that Volkswagen, it has to go through the Volkswagen board, and 35 or 40% of Ducati's board is made up of the German um, labor unions. So there's a good chance that they would try to block the sale for reasons, which is understandable, the EU and labor unions and all that other good stuff. So we'll see what happens. It's it's certainly still up in flux, and it'll be interesting to see. In a lot of ways, I hope that uh, Volkswagen holds on to Ducati just because, um, but who knows? Now, one of the companies that we've talked about with Ducati or, or potentially being a new home for Ducati is even more of a possibility because, and this is a separate but somewhat related story. So MV Agusta, as many of you know, is, well, it's always in financial trouble. <laughs> it just is. It's one of those, it's just one of those things. And the Castiglione brothers have been trying to recapitalize for a while and deal with some debt, trying to solidify the company. Well, they, they got some recapitalization now. Uh, they've got Mercedes AMG to sell its 25% stake in the company, and somehow they got cash back and commitment of cash uh, from a Russian ol oligarch, uh, Timur Sardovov. Sardovov, yes. Now, technically, it's through an equity group, but he's you know old. You know, I can't say old school. Modern day Russian oligarch billionaire, right? So new play toy, essentially, although it's, you know, through a through an equity company. We'll see what happens. There was also some talk that the equity company that sold off Ducati before would be interested in buying them back if they could come up at a reasonable price. And also CVC Capital Partners uh, is also trying to, uh, you know, look at it now that they're free of Formula One and that they want some other ventures as well. So, like I said, this Ducati thing is... It's going to be complicated. It's going to be a while before that gets settled. But interesting that MV uh, may have a future still because they're recapitalized. Now, how well do things work when Russian billionaires buy things? Well, not always well. It's it's. I hate to say it always ends up being a play toy, but it is. You look at TVR. You could look at the gentleman who bought the New Jersey Nets in basketball. Uh, there's there's several other examples, but those are the two that immediately come come to mind. Lots of talk, lots of promises, very little on the delivery. So in a third story, which also relates to Ducati, Harley-Davidson reported their financials, what, about a week and a half ago, and oh my, was there some large suckage going on there. Their stock cratered because of it. So any rumors of Harley Davidson being in the running, 
to buy Ducati, they are gone, gone, gone now. And it's not surprising, really. Ducati, uh, excuse me, Harley Davidson's financial issues should come as no shock to anyone who has a clue. How has Harley Davidson uh, marketed themselves over the last 20 years? All right. They, they were going after 20 years ago, late 90s. Yeah, mid to late 90s. They started marketing themselves to the, well, essentially the generation before me. I guess the yuppie generation would be the correct term. And even the uh, the older people in my generation as they moved up and became more successful and, you know, they wanted the, the open road and the freedom and the nostalgia, the whole nostalgia craze thing. That was great. The problem is, is that as they kept going, they kept selling them bigger, larger, more expensive motorcycles. And now there's a point a lot of those people are getting into their late 50s, mid 60s, and even later, and all of a sudden, hauling around a 700-pound, 800-pound motorcycle, not a lot of fun anymore. And when you're dropping 25 to 35 and even $40,000 on a motorcycle, you got other things that you want to do with that money. Some of it came from the uh, crunch 10 years ago, and you know they recovered some, but not all of it. But the thing is, they rode that generation, they rode that success, and it was all good and happy and whatever. The problem is, is is they kept harvesting and never replanting, right? So they've done almost nothing to bring in the next generation of riders. They just assumed, arrogantly, but I guess correctly in their minds, well, this has always worked, we'll keep doing it. Well, it has always worked for the last 15 or 20 years, but the next generation, they can't just jump into an $18,000 motorcycle. I mean, even a if you're going to go big twin Harley, because very few people are actually going to go for the lower models, there's little, and Harley Davidson dealers completely discourage you from buying the entry level motorcycles. They just, you walk in and they're going to walk you over to the, to the big twins, you know, starting at $15,000. That's not an option for most people under the age of, say, 35, that they can just jump into a fifteen, sixteen, eighteen thousand dollars $18,000 motorcycle. So while in in the last couple of years, they've retweaked sort of the Sportster line, and now they have the 750 line, which is built in India. But psst, please don't tell anyone that that's built in India because, you know, America, rah. Um, anyways. They've sort of done that, but they also did, as we've talked about on this show before, kind of a half-assed job with it. Like, it's the, the potential is there, but they didn't execute on it. And they keep trying to build a 1950s bike in the 2010s. Eventually, you need to evolve. And while their whole nostalgia thing is going on to the heritage thing, because you look at the scramblers and the bobbers and everything else, and we'll get to bobbers in a second... Um, you still need to evolve your brand. If you stay in one place, guess what? The world passes you by. Okay, maybe it comes back to you again, but that's in 20 or 30 years when, you know, fashion kind of resets. Harley Davidson has done nothing to um, to bring up, to encourage a younger generation who are just trying to get into motorcycles to get into the brand and to get into that lifestyle. And now they're really beginning to see that because 
the younger people aren't getting into it. The older people are getting out and, oh my God, we've got a huge vacuum of what are we going to do? And they laid off people. They're shutting down uh, shifts. So it's a whole lot of not good out of Milwaukee right now. Now, we mentioned the bobbers. So uh, Indian just introduced during the X Games in Minneapolis the Scout Bobber, which is the Indian Scout uh, with a little less suspension, a little less body work, and a little bit more attitude and kind of some cool paint. So reports are generally that it's, you know, it definitely looks cool. And it does. If you've seen the pictures, we'll put one in and for you in the Hooniverse post. But, um, yeah, it looks good. Suspension, really, you're going to cut an inch. It, it only had three inches to begin with, and you're taking an inch out of it. I don't know about that. You know, how's it going to be? Who knows? For a 50, 60-mile ride, it's probably fine. It's not a bike that's meant to go across country. Okay, fine. It's a style bike. Nothing wrong with it. Uh, no gentleman who has an Indian uh, Scout, he loves it. But again, he doesn't do like super long rides with it. So we'll see. Uh, you know, the Indian is actually doing reasonably well. Polaris just had uh, their financials, and I believe they said that their sales with Indian were up in the double digits. So again, I didn't write it down in my apologies, but there you go. The... Uh, last bit of heritage we'll talk about is sort of the, you know, inside baseball motorcycle news here. Mahindra, the Indian company who mostly are known for tractors, uh, has acquired BSA. And in a sort of, oh, yay. they've acquired So, again, for a bunch of like 65-year-old people who want to deal with a nostalgia bike, cool. That's probably what you're going to get. They'll put, you know, not a ton of money into it. They'll build them cheaply. They'll sell them. At an inflated price, hoping you'll buy it on name brand alone. And if they can get away with it, good for them. Do I care? Not so much because, well, if you want a BSA, go buy a real BSA and then deal with all the headaches associated with trying to keep a 60-year-old, 50, 60-year-old, yeah, 50, 50-year-old 50 bike, 50-plus-year-old 50 British bike alive well, well and running well. So... Um, the last thing that I have written down here is a note from Pete. And in our internal uh, Slack chat here, Pete had uh, sent a note to, to Garrett and myself saying, I've been reading some ride reports on the New Star Venture. I'd be interested in hearing you guys talk about it next time you guys record. How about discussing full dress tours? I don't know how Garrett feels about this. And, you know, and obviously Garrett and I haven't had a chance to really chat much lately because we've been going in opposite directions. I kind of don't care. Now, if that's something you'd like us to talk about, we're happy to put it in the uh, in the queue and, and, and talk about it and maybe even do a little research into it. But full dress tours are just not something I've I've ever really been interested in. I'm not sure that Garrett's really that interested in as well. But as we said... We'll be happy to talk about it if that's something that you'd like us to discuss. So speaking of which, we are always looking for your feedback. Um, we would like to see more questions from you guys. We know there's you know about 20, anywhere between 2,000 and 2,500 people downloading the show, and which is cool. That's great. That's uh, That's not too bad for a motorcycle podcast, to be honest with you. 
And we'd like to hear more from you. And the best way for us to hear from you is on our Facebook page. So that is facebook.com forward slash the false neutral. We definitely want to hear from you over there. And of course, always feel free to post questions underneath our weekly posts on Hooniverse at Hooniverse.com. So that is something we are definitely looking more from you guys from. And Garrett and I would actually like to do a show where it's literally like two or three shows, not necessarily in a row, but if we could do a show like once or twice a month, which is strictly as we accumulate questions and just accumulate questions from you guys, we would be at, that'd make us feel really good and make us feel like we're really connecting with you guys out there as well. So, uh, as I said, I didn't want to go too long with it. Just me yakking on the mic and trying to, trying to coordinate with Garrett to get, uh, get us two uh, back together. And, uh, as Pete said, as you listened, when he was on the other week talking about, uh, smack dab ride he's we'll be able to get him on here and there as well next week probably will be the ducati detroit uh interview fingers crossed and then again as i said i'm out to a number of other people as we said before i thought we'd had a couple other people lined up that did not work out um so i don't want to tease people that may or may not end up being on but uh feel pretty strongly about nailing the ducati detroit uh, interview later this week so appreciate the time and uh, until we talk to you again next time, have fun, be good, most importantly, keep it on two wheels. We'll talk with you soon. Bye-bye.